This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. This is How We See It. I'm Deacon Mike Sweeney, and our guest is Greg Shuddy. Greg is leading a big conference here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg on March 16th. That'll be from 8.15 to 3.15 at the Cathedral of St. Jude. First of all, Greg, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Can you tell us about the conference? Is tailored towards Catholic couples, or is it beyond that? Well, it's, it is tailored towards Catholic couples, but I think it goes beyond that because I've seen other couples that have come to it from different faiths that are looking to be inspired to work on their marriage and to find that holiness within their marriage. And again, the conference is called Together in Holiness Marriage Conference. It's on March 16th. What if you are a non-believer? Is this a program for anyone that just wants that stronger relationship with one another? Or do you kind of have to have at least a slight belief in God? Well, I think you're going to be challenged if you do, because I think if you're pushing against the whole God thing, it might be something that really challenges you. But hopefully the people that are coming know that and their hearts are open to that. And I think that that's the neat part is that we've seen this in the past where people coming to it, they really want something more. And the other thing that I've learned as a therapist and even teaching classes is that sometimes we got to work at healing the, the heart of the couple before we really try and go deeper into the faith part. Because a lot of times trying to, I've heard people say this, it's like, you know, we've got to teach people how to pray together. And I think that that's spot on, but you also have to help them communicate with each other. Because if they can't communicate with each other, you know, the whole prayer together is not going to be that easy. So anyway. But this is not a program for somebody trying to, well, maybe it is a program for people trying to fix their marriage, but it's also a program for people that are just having great days, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really to inspire all people to go deeper in their relationship in marriage. And I think that that's the neat part is so that wherever you are, the hope is, is that we can inspire you to take that next step to go deeper and to grow in that holiness, grow in that love for one another, because we have such a problem with marriage in our world today. And I think this is such a great opportunity that the uh, St. John Paul II Foundation is really trying to put together all around the United States to really help more and more couples. Because, you know, I'm seeing just a big void in the help that's there for, for married couples. My wife and I years ago read a great book called Love and Respect. Have you ever read that, by the way? I've heard of it. I have not read it, though. We loved it because it really helped us understand one another better. And what I got out of that also, though, is all couples go through what this author called crazy cycles. As a marriage therapist yourself, would you say that a healthy marriage even goes through these sort of crazy cycles where you just aren't communicating well and things like that? Yes, yes. Because, in fact, that's the number one thing that people say when they come into therapy is help us communicate better. And often, you know, what's happening here is life is constantly changing. And so, you know, it's one of those where we have to stay in knowing the other person. And that's the bigger issue is that we don't fall out of love. We don't, you know, have these rough times before we start to really, or actually we start to have these times where we are, we don't have time for one another. And it's that breakdown of time. We're not connecting. We don't understand the other person, what they need. 
And so those are those times where we have to focus and kind of work through the issues. Right now, me and my wife are going through, so we have seven children. And one of the big things that's happening right now is in a matter of one year, we had all the kids that were living with us in the summer of 2023 to where now we have three. And, you know, one's off to college, one just got married, one's out in Oregon, one is in Columbus. And so there's there's this grief that's happening. And sometimes it's not spoken, but it's happening for my wife, it's happening for me. And those things, when they're not spoken, when we're not connecting, they start to wear on the relationship. And then before we know it, we're picking at each other for other reasons. So yeah, it's that work in progress and that there's those seasons where we go through that. I've noticed that. And I was actually talking to a couple not too long ago who one of the spouses was going to change work hours. And she was like, you know, well, what if like we don't get along when we're seeing each other more? And I was just like, well, just relax. You'll figure it out. Everything will be fine. But it goes to show you that just when you think you know yourself and your spouse, you don't. No, no. And it's really about that staying in the know and, and communicating needs. I often talk to the couples that I see that, you know, I know what my wife was like when I left this morning. She was in a great mood. By the time I get home, everything could have changed. And if I'm not connecting and making sure that I understand where she's at, and assuming or going off and doing my own thing, you know, I might miss something. And then if that's a pattern that continues on, then you start to see that struggle between us. But so it, yeah, you're right. It's really something that we all have to continue to learn. The conference is called Together in Holiness Marriage Conference. And one of the things that impressed me when I was reading about it is you've had some surveys of participants done and very impressive results where 90% and higher love the program and they love the message of the program and everything else. So talk about that a little bit. I don't know all of the details of the, the surveys that they've taken. I've heard those, which I think is great that they're getting a good response to the people that are, are speaking to the whole event day. They really work hard at trying to cater to the people, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel special in this time. And then the talks are really they're very particular about, you know, finding those those speakers that can really help in the different areas. You have a master's degree in social work. You're a director of Marriage Works. What is Marriage Works? So Marriage Works started back in 2006. It's part of a, the mother organization is called the Elizabeth New Life Center, and it is a pro-life pregnancy resource center. It's been around for 30 years. And so back in 2006, we got this grant, this large federal grant to create marriage works to really help couples in our community and then and beyond. And so then that has morphed into, you know, more we've kind of moved away from being totally on federal and do some grants. But a lot of what we're doing now is we have a youth program that goes into high schools and teaches them about healthy relationships and we use a program called Go for the Gold. So we've got that component. The other component is where we teach classes. So we have some here that we teach. And then I teach a lot of courses in parishes and in churches. In fact, I'm going to be starting a class tonight. It's one that from a curriculum that I wrote called Building a Eucharistic Marriage. And so we have that component where we're working with married couples. 
And then the other one that I do outside of selling the program that we've created is I do marriage therapy. So I see couples, about eight to 10 couples per week on top of running marriage work. So the whole goal of it in conjunction with the Pregnancy Resource Center is it's about, you know, we we start with the whole saving babies, but we're trying to strengthen the family and then also go into schools and help kids make better choices so that they don't end up in that crisis situation. The devil must really hate you because the devil hates families and wants this sort of crisis. He wants us to suffer through these things. So how attacked do you feel? That could take a whole show in and of itself. But, you know, you know, the hard thing, but it's kind of a comforting thing is when things get when I feel really under attack, I know something big's going to happen, something big, good that's going to happen. So you take some comfort in that. But he does. He does poke his finger in this. And I think for me, the struggle is I expect some some difficulties. I expect setbacks. But I think the hardest part for me is sometimes seeing and I hate to say it this way, but the laziness in our church. And I don't mean the church as a whole, but just different parishes sometimes. Some are really on fire and they've got programs put in place and they're doing great work with married couples. And then you find these these churches that are like, yeah, I don't think we can find enough people to come to your class. No, we don't want to do it right now. And so there's this, this pushback. And I thought it was interesting because Last year, we started, I finally got the program, the Building Eucharistic Marriage Program, in one of the largest churches in our diocese. They have like every kind of program you can think of, except for marriage enrichment. They've got the pre-Cana, but not the marriage enrichment. So we got this program in, and before we even closed out the sign-in, we had 30 couples signed up, and then we had a waiting list nice. for this group. And so, again, it just shows there's such a need. But, yeah, Satan loves to, loves to poke his finger in all different places. So He sure does. So March 16th, you're coming to the Diocese of St. Petersburg, the Cathedral of St. Jude, 8.15 a.m. to 3.15 p.m. Can you give us a little hint of what you'll be discussing? Sure. It is called Sacrificial Love is Sanctifying Love. And one of the things that I've been doing a lot lately in, in many different talks, I just talked down in Fort Myers back in October and then in Orlando. So I'm, I'm starting to find a home here in Florida, which is great. But what I, I like doing is taking the sacrament of marriage and the sacrament of the Eucharist and showing the connection and that sacrificial love that God's calling us to and that sacrificial love that he's calling us to in our marriage. And so what I do is I show couples that, and this is what I teach in my Building Eucharistic Marriage course, is there are seven areas that we are trying to help couples grow in their marriage. And it's built off of a therapeutic model for change. So you go through these steps to strengthen your marriage. Well, these same seven things connect with seven areas in and through the mass where we grow in our relationship with Christ. So at this conference, I'm going to show that that connection and it's really this call to when you're working on your marriage, we also want you to work on your relationship with Christ. Do that as a couple and do that individually. So that's kind of the gist of what we're going to be talking about. That is awesome. We're talking with Greg Schutte. 
Greg, can you tell us in our closing minute here or so, how can we get more information and how can we register for the conference? I would encourage you to go to the diocese website and find it on there. They they have that advertised. You'd go to dosp.org. And then on the website, you'll be able to find the Together in Holiness information and on there where to sign up for it. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Okay. Thank you for having me. That is Greg Schutte from Together in Holiness Marriage Conference. Again, that will be held on March 16th from 815 to 315 at the Cathedral of St. Jude. And this is How We See It. You're listening to How We See It, a look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM's SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now, back to our program. This is How We See It. I'm Deacon Mike Sweeney, and our guest today, you've heard her before. She is back, Nermeen Rubin from Water for Mercy. Welcome back, Nermeen. Thank you so much, Deacon. It is so awesome to be here at Spirit FM. Love coming here and sharing what we're doing with Water for Mercy. Thank you're, you. You're doing yeah. amazing things. Give everybody a minute-long snippet of what Water for Mercy is all about. Okay. In a nutshell, Water for Mercy is a nonprofit 501c3. We are part of the Diocese of the USCCB as a Ministry of Mercy. And what we do is we work with the leading organizations to provide sustainable water to remote parts of Africa for people that are dying of thirst And then after these remote communities get water to drink, then the result of that is that they're healthier, they don't have diseases, and then they start agriculture and growing good foods. So we also work to teach them sustainable agricultural methods that end up being a source of economic prosperity. So I like to say Water, food, hope. You have to have water because we all die with water and it's the everlasting, beautiful water that God gives us. And with this water, it leads to food that feeds the brain. And then with the food and the technology that we use, it is so bountiful that it leads to economic prosperity. So water, food, hope. Well, it's bountiful once you get to it, but it's not like it just pours out of trees. Correct. We have to plant it and sow it and uh, teach the locals how to sow it themselves so that they reap not just the harvest and also the profits. And Ultimately, if you go on our website, our mission says upholding human dignity, because basically, in a nutshell, Deacon Mike, God touched my heart. I'm African. I'm originally from Egypt. And it hurt me when I saw that people were dying of thirst and I they had lost all hope. And I saw men, especially that had just checked out of life, that they did not find a means of getting out of this hole. And when I did research, I realized How do you start the problem to the root of the problem? It starts with water. Water is the beginning. And then after you provide water, it is a means for good food. And then it is a means of economic prosperity. Before your arrival, how would villagers get to water? We have uh, stories, and it is heart-wrenching, of people walking seven, eight, nine hours a day. And the reason why it takes so long, several times, it's like three, four and a half hours. And then there is a queue, a line, and they have to wait. 
And if you've ever built like a sandcastle or dig a hole, you know how like when you dig down, 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 there's a little pool of water that bubbles up and you have to kind of, when you dig, 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 you have to wait for the pool of water to build up. That is very typical. So it takes several hours and a long queue of about 20 people that are waiting for water and each one waits about 30, 40 minutes till they have enough to fill up two buckets each. And by the time they're able to go home, it's about 10 and a half hours before they go back with just two buckets of water that is the color of brown dirt that I would never even feed anyone. And you were saying off air, you were saying that you can't just go down a few feet for a source of water because that has, I would imagine, germs and things like that. So how deep down do you have to go? And this is the beauty of our team. We work with the leading organization. So we contract with world-renowned organization that we have a solution. We go down and drill down to the aquifer. Some parts of Africa, we go down 250 meters, that's over 400, 450 feet sometimes. But it is a sustainable source of water. And you know, there is water in Africa. You just have to get to it. Unfortunately, a number of these hand pumps that a number of solutions are just Band-Aid solutions and they're quick fixes. And typically the water is not deep enough to the aquifer and it is contaminated with waterborne diseases. So our solution goes down drills to the aquifer and you get clean, sweet water that they have. And we pump about 20,000 liters per water per minute, which is amazing. So it's a source of them using it for food, for drinking, as well as for irrigation. One of the cool things I like about your system is you have the ability to monitor these different systems. So talk about the technology that you use. And that is the beautiful thing, because as I said, upholding dignity. We don't give anyone money. We give them a means to work. So we, with the villagers, with the community, we incorporate them and engage them to build the water towers, to decide where do the different stations go for the water taps. And we teach them to fix everything. But then, as you and I know, when we teach someone to do something, many times they may not fix it the way it should be fixed. So the beauty of our technology is we have a remote monitoring system that is live and in real time. And I love telling people, look at my button. I'll show you my button because what's great about the button is that I can tell you live how much energy is being utilized with solar, how much water is being pumped within for drinking as well as for irrigation. So if anything goes wrong, we're alerted. And many times we know about it before the community knows. And if it is not fixed within an hour, We alert the community and it has to be fixed within two and a half hours. Otherwise, our engineers are there to make sure it is fixed. That is what I've seen is extremely important is I've seen so many organizations, I call it a graveyard of good intentions where they provide solutions to communities, but they don't empower them. And sometimes you need to empower them, but you also want to make sure they stayed empowered. And that's the beauty of our live remote monitoring system. Are you in any of the war-torn areas? Actually, I work with leading organizations. Two of them are from Israel, and they are, of course, there is a war in Israel right now. So, and this is what's amazing, is that our projects are sustainable and have thrived 
our NGOs, our non-governmental organizations that we work with on Israel, working on half the staff, a number of our staff that were on the ground teaching the locals had to leave. And a number of them are fighting in the war against Hamas and Hezbollah and the reserves. Yet the people that they've trained on the ground have thrived. So this is the beauty of our projects is that Though our staff from Israel is in these war-torn regions in Israel fighting the war, our projects continue, and it shows the resilience of not just our people, but also the beauty of the solutions being sustainable. One of the cool things that you're delving into is children's books. And you have a story, a book that's come out. It's been published called The Most Wonderful Rain, inspired by an actual true story, right? Correct. Can you give us, without giving us all of the secrets, tell us a little bit about whom the book is written about. Okay, well, actually, I am so proud of this book because it is based on Deborah. She is a villager from Hoosie Village. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is Hoosie Village was funded primarily from our Diocese of St. Petersburg and Bishop Gregory Parks, who I touched his heart. So he gave us a matching challenge so that we could provide a sustainable water system at Hoosie Village. And the beauty of Hoosie Village is in this story. It's a children's book. It is heartfelt, illustrated by a beautiful illustrator from Kenya who really brought the words to life. It's co-authored by Susan Bellavance, who is a published children's author who knows how to touch hearts with her words. My husband cried reading it. I've done a number of readings, story time, and I get choked up even saying the story. And it is based on Deborah, whose dream is to go to school. Yet she wasn't able to go to school because she is an orphan and it is her responsibility to get water for her family, which includes her sisters and her grandmother. So you know how you asked me how long does it take? The story outlines not just the time that it takes to get water, but the dangers and the challenges that are encountered getting water. And when I brought the people from Clearwater Central Catholic High School with me, there was a story that here at Hoosie Village that they shared of a hyena attacking a woman getting water because guess what? Animals get thirsty too. And it was so sad when we saw that this man, his hand was maimed because God bless him, he saved this woman's life from the hyena, but the hyena got four of his fingers. And to think that in 2022, that's when we heard this story, that in this day and age, that these are the dangers that are encountered to get water that's not even good water. So what's beautiful about this story It is about Deborah, and her dream is to go to school, but she can't because she has to get water and how Water for Mercy was able to provide water because of the thanks of the Diocese of St. Petersburg Mm. and Bishop Gregory Parks, as well as how her life can transform so that she can go to school. And I'm so proud that if you look at the back, our Bishop Parks endorsed it as well as the Israeli ambassador, who is over five countries, as well as the village chief, who says how his whole village has transformed because water was the first step for him to bring agriculture and have agriculture and food has been a means of economic prosperity and independence. 
And can you tell I'm proud, Deacon Mike, at the very beginning, we have a foreword and introduction from the New York Times bestseller author. His name is Seth Siegel, who wrote the book, Let There Be Water, Israel's Solution to a Water-Starved World. So we have endorsements as well as accolades. And the story, again, what I like to say is that I want people to read it because we want to touch hearts. When I give them a gift, I say, this is a gift with a condition. Please read it and please share it. And what I mean by sharing it is share how something like water that they call the most wonderful rain because they've never, ever seen clean flowing water ever in their whole lives ever and when they see it shooting from the ground when we provide the water they don't know how else to describe it but they call it the most wonderful rain you know the illustrations in this book are amazing that alone had to take a ton of time yes and i'm grateful to susan bellavance again who really this is her expertise with children's authors and getting them published. And she worked so hard with Abdullahi, our illustrator in Kenya, who I happened to go see. And I want to say we rescued a number of artists off the streets in Nairobi finding Abdullahi. So this really comes from the heart. So this book not only is a means to support and bring attention to Water for Mercy, but also is a means to help other organizations help the most vulnerable. It's really sort of a triumph over tragedy, too, because the book starts out with Deborah sleeping on a dirt floor. And then the last scene, I hate to give it away, but I have to give it away. The last scene is her in, I'm assuming, like a school uniform at a water source, the Mm -hmm. water tap. And man, what a triumph. What a victory that is. And it wouldn't have happened without water for mercy. I know. And you know, I'm getting teared up because we don't realize how blessed we are oh. in this world. That's why I'm so blessed that Clearwater Central Catholic is one of our service chapters. And by the way, they're going to Tanzania this summer, June, July, on a village that they sponsored, which we'd love to see more student chapters like this do that. But I'm telling you, it touches my heart to see that because what I'm saying about we take for granted going to school. This story is about Deborah, who is 16 years old, who cannot go to school. Why? Because she can't. She has to go get water. Yeah. And our gift of water to her, that's why it ends with this uniform. I started tearing up because now, because of that, she is so proud. And by the way, you know, when I told you we went back, Father Tom Anastasia came with me as well as a few others. We came and we met Deborah and gifted her her book and met her grandmother. And she is now 19 years old and she's in school. I don't want to, you know, but she is so proud. She's got dignity and she wants to be a doctor. Wow. You know, and to give that hope, that's why I say water, food, hope. And it all starts with water, but you cannot end at water, but you have to have water. We're talking with Nermeen Rubin from Water for Mercy. So we have just about a minute left, Nermeen. Tell us, do the proceeds from this book go to help Water for Mercy? And how do we get a copy? Yes, the proceeds all go to the book. And even Susan Bellavance, the author, says any royalty she is gifting back and donating back to the cause of Water for Mercy, which is beautiful. You could get it on Amazon or some of the other sites as well. And I have a number and we have been asked to do some author signings. What's your website? It is water the number four mercy.org water for mercy.org our guest today is nermeen rubin from water for mercy the book is the most wonderful rain you can grab it on amazon and some other places 
Go out and support this great organization changing the world. It's beautiful. This is how we see it. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it. Mm-hmm.